Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, April 11th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there will be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give Pick on the Navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bret Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Shimene, and it means eighth. Leviticus 10, 1-10 Now Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu each took his firepan put fire in it, and laid incense on it. And they offered before Hashem alien or strange fire, which he had not enjoined upon. And the fire came forth from Hashem and consumed them. Thus they died at the instance of Hashem. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what Hashem meant when he said, Through these near to me I show myself holy and gain glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Moses called Mishael and Zaphon, sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come forward and carry your kinsmen away from the front of the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. They came forward and carried them out of the camp by their tunics, as Moses had ordered. And Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, Eleazar and Itamar, Do not bare your heads and do not rend your clothes, lest you die. And anger strike the whole community. But your kinsmen, all the house of Israel, shall bewail the burning 
that Hashem has wrought. And so do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die. For Hashem's anointing oil is upon you. And they did as Moses had bidden. And Hashem spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or other intoxicant, you or your sons, when you enter the tent of meeting, that you may not die. This is a law for all time throughout the ages. For you must distinguish between the sacred and the profane, and between the unclean and the clean. And you must teach the Israelites all the laws which Hashem has imparted to them through Moses. Joshua 3, 1-4, Early next morning Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and marched to the Jordan. They did not cross immediately, but spent the night there. Three days later the officials went through the camp and charged the people as follows. When you see the ark that your God is being borne by the Levitical Kohenim, you shall move forward, follow it. But keep a distance of some two thousand amot from behind it, never coming any closer to it, so that you may know by what route to march, since it is a road you have not traveled before. And Joshua said to the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow Hashem will perform wonders in your midst. Then Joshua ordered the Kohanim, Take up the ark, and advance to the head of the people. And they took up the ark, and marched at the head of the people. Hashem said to Joshua, This day, for the first time, I will exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that you shall know I will be with you as I was with Moses. For your part, command the Kohanim who carry the ark as follows. When you reach the edge of the waters of the Jordan, make a halt in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the Israelites, Come closer and listen to the words of Hashem your God. By this, Joshua continued, You shall know that a living Hashem is among you, and that he will dispossess for you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. The Ark, the sovereign of all the earth, is advancing before you into the Jordan. Now select twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. When the feet of the Kohanim bearing the Ark, the sovereign of all the earth, comes to rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan, the water coming from upstream, will be cut off and will stand in a single heap. When the people set out from their encampment to cross the Jordan, the Kohanim, bearing the ark, were at the head of the people. Now the Jordan keeps flowing over its entire bed throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the bearers of the ark reached the Jordan, and the feet of the Kohanim bearing the ark dipped into the water at its edge, the waters coming down from upstream piled up in a single heap a great way off, at Adam, the town next to Zarathan, and those flowing away downstream to the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, ran out completely. So the people crossed near Jericho. The Kohanim, who bore the ark, 
Hashem stood on dry land exactly in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed over on dry land until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. When the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, Hashem said to Joshua, Select twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and instruct them as follows. Pick up twelve stones from the spot exactly in the middle of the Jordan, where the Kohanim's feet are standing. Take them along with you and deposit them in the place where you will spend the night. Joshua summoned the twelve men whom he had designated among the Israelites, one from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Walk up to the ark of Hashem your God in the middle of the Jordan, and each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder, corresponding to the number of the tribes of Israel. This shall serve as a symbol among you. In time to come, when your children ask, What is the meaning of these stones for you? You shall tell them, The waters of the Jordan were cut off because of the ark. When it passed through the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And so, these stones shall serve the people of Israel as a memorial for all time. The Israelites did as Joshua ordered. They picked up twelve stones corresponding to the number of the tribes of Israel from the middle of the Jordan, as Hashem had charged Joshua, and they took them along with them to their night encampment and deposited them there. Joshua also set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan, at the spot where the feet of the Kohanim bearing the ark had stood, and they have remained there to this day. The Kohanim who bore the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until all the instructions that Hashem had ordered Joshua to convey to the people had been carried out. And so the people speedily crossed over, just as Moses had assured Joshua in his charge to him. And when all the people finished crossing, the ark of Hashem and the Kohanim advanced to the head of the people. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh went across armed in the van of the Israelites, as Moses had charged them. About 40,000 shock troops went across, at the instance of Hashem, to the steps of Jericho for battle. On that day Hashem exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, so that they revered him all his days, as they had revered Moses. Hashem said to Joshua, Command the Kohanim who bear the ark to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the Kohanim, Come up out of the Jordan. As soon as the Kohanim who bore the ark came up out of the Jordan, and the feet of the Kohanim stepped onto the dry ground, the waters of the Jordan resumed their course, flowing over its entire bed as before. The people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up in Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken from the Jordan. He charged the Israelites as follows, In time to come, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of those stones? 
Tell your children, Here the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry land. For Hashem your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed, just as Hashem your God did to the Sea of Reeds, which he dried up before us until we crossed. Thus all the peoples of the earth shall know how mighty is the hand of Hashem, and you shall fear Hashem your God always. Luke 14 7-35 7-35 to 35. And he, Yeshua, put forth a parable to those which were bidden, when he marked how they chose out of the chief room, saying to them, When you are bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than you be bidden of him. And he that bade you and him come and say to you, Give this man your place, and you begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when you are bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher, and then shall you have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with you. For whosoever exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Then said he also to him that bade him, When you make a dinner or a supper, call not your friends, nor your brethren, neither your kinsmen, nor your rich neighbors, lest they also bid you again, and a recompense be made you. But when you make a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you shall be blessed, for they cannot recompense you, for you shall be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then said he to him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded, and yet there is still room. And the Lord said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said to them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sits not down first, and counts the cost, 
whether he have su sufficient to finish it. Lest haply after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sits not down first, and consults whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that comes against him with twenty thousand? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an ambassador and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Psalm 80, 1-19 Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you that lead Joseph like a flock, you that dwell between the cherubims, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh stir up your strength and come and save us, turn us again, O God, and cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You feed them with the bread of tears and give them tears to drink in great measure. You make us a strife unto our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the heathen and planted it. You prepared room before it, and did cause it to take a deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the boughs thereof were like the goodly cedars. She sent out her bows unto the sea, and her branches unto the river. Why have you then broken down her hedges, so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her? The boar out of the wood does waste it, and the wild beast of the field does devour it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts, look down from heaven, and behold, and visit this vine, and the vineyard which your right hand has planted, and the branch that you made strong for yourself. It is burned with fire, it is cut down, they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of the right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. So will we not go back from you, quicken us, and we will call upon your name. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Proverbs 12, 27 and 28 The slothful man roasts not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. In the way of righteousness is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. Today I want to speak to you from Leviticus 10, then we're going to jump into Joshua, and then we're also going to jump into Luke chapter 14.
So we're going to cover a lot of ground today. And actually, I'm going to backtrack a little bit and speak to you from Leviticus 9, which is what we read yesterday. And we're just going to review a couple of verses from that chapter. And in chapter 9 of Leviticus, verses 23 and 24, something very dramatic happens. Verse 23, Moses and Aaron went inside the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people, and the presence of Hashem appeared to all the people. Fire came forth from before Hashem and consumed the burnt offering and the fat parts on the altar. And all the people saw and shouted and fell on their faces. So this is an amazing event. I sure would have liked to have been there to see that and to witness it. It was truly the Lord revealing himself, showing them that he was with them in their journey as they begin their time in the wilderness coming out of Egypt. And he came down in great power. And it was like a big bolt of fire that came down from heaven and completely consumed up what was on the altar. Now, the commentary to verse 23 about the tent of meeting, the Israel Bible has an interesting comment about that verse. I'd like to share that with you. And it says, The purpose of the Mishkan, that is the wilderness tabernacle in the desert, and the Beit HaMikdash, that is the temple in Jerusalem, is to serve as a fixed resting place for Hashem's presence on earth. The commandment to build the Mishkan, that is the wilderness tabernacle, directly follows the revelation at Sinai, since according to Rambam, the Mishkan constitutes the continuation of the revelation at Sinai, while the divine presence rested briefly on Mount Sinai. It found a long-term home in the Mishkan, and ultimately a permanent dwelling on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Now recall that when they initially left Egypt, they were led cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. And then, once Moses received instructions on the building the pattern for the tabernacle, the wilderness tabernacle, and they built it, that cloud by day and pillar of fire by night rested over that central tent of meeting. Um, and it was like the presence, the very presence, the Shekinah, the glory of God. And it rested with them, stayed with them for the 40 years that they were in the desert. At this point, they believe they're going to go into the promised land. We haven't had the sin happen yet of unbelief. But, you know, when the cloud parked for the day, they would stop and pitch their tents and stop. And when the cloud or the pillar of fire moved, they knew it was time to go, and they followed the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. So this is how the Lord showed himself to them in these days that they are in the wilderness. And perhaps he'll reveal himself that way again. I do believe he will. Now let's jump into Joshua chapter 3. And they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River in this chapter. And God does um, a miracle and he works a lot in patterns. He repeats himself through patterns. 
and there's always some kind of a principle that we can glean from these patterns. So the pattern was set when the people crossed through the Red Sea and the waters parted before them, and it was a miraculous crossing. And so God is going to repeat that pattern, and he's going to do that again when they cross over the Jordan River to go in and take the promised land. The waters are going to just heap up on the left and on the right, and they're going to just walk right through. So we see a pattern repeating, and it's a miracle that God does this for them um, so that they can cross over to the other side. So in chapter 3, verse 5, the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Joshua instructs the people to sanctify themselves as Hashem will perform miracles for them. Typically, miracles require a partnership between God and man. Though ultimately Hashem performs the miracle, He expects us to do our part by trusting Him and having faith having the faith to believe for a miracle. And so in our own era as well, the partnership between man and God has resulted in the rebirth and flourishing of the state of Israel. As a result of God's blessings, together with man's hard work, the desert is literally blooming. The economy is growing, the army defends, and the nation continues to absorb countless immigrants from the four corners of the earth. As in the days of Joshua, the fulfillment of these miracles has demanded both spiritual and physical effort by human beings. So actually, the nation of Israel is a miracle. The fact that the Jewish people remained a distinct and set-apart people for 1,800 years while they were scattered to all the nations of the earth. And then... The rebirth of the nation on May the 14th of 1948 and the return of the Jewish people from all nations of the earth. This is a modern day miracle and it is the fulfillment of prophecy. Now I want to jump into Luke chapter 14 and I want to zoom in on the parable of the Great Supper. And a man is going to have a great supper, and he he invited many people. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were invited, Come, everything is ready now. And they all had excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of ground. I have to go and take care of it. Uh, Another excuse, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to go prove them. Another said, I have married and a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And so this man said, go and invite people in the streets and in the lanes of the city. Bring them in. He said, Lord, I've already done that. And then he said to him, go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. None of those which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there were great multitudes with him. And he turned and said to them. So I'll pause right there. And there's a new movie that just came out. It's called The Jesus Revolution. And it's an excellent, excellent movie. And it's based upon what really happened. It's a true story about the Jesus movement that happened back in the 1960s, right around 1967, about the time of the Six-Day War when Jerusalem was captured and reunited and East Jerusalem was once again taken 
by the Jews and the Western Wall. Right about that time is when this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened. But in the opening scene of the movie, we have this stodgy preacher preaching each Sunday in a church that has maybe 10 or 12 people in it. And they're just kind of stuffy people and religious. And so then... You know, his daughter's talking to him and saying, well, what about all these hippies? You know, they're they're just really hungry and they're looking for something and they're trying to fill the void with drugs and with all kinds of crazy stuff. But really, it's it's a hole in their heart that only God can fill. And why don't we invite the hippies? And he said to his daughter, well, if God sends me a hippie, maybe I'll consider your thought. But I don't think so. They all need to take a bath. So anyway, God sends him a hippie, and he's he looks a lot like Jesus, actually. He's got long, shoulder-length hair and a beard, and he looks very Jesus-like. But he's wearing, you know, kind of a robe and definitely a hippie of the 60s. And he basically says to this man, to this pastor, you know, I, I've got a lot of people, and I'm preaching to them. I'm a street evangelist, and, and they're getting saved, and, and they're coming off the drugs, and, the, and they, they're, looking for, they're looking for something. But your door of your church is closed. And if you open the door of your church, they'll come. And so God begins to work in the heart of this pastor. Chuck Smith, by the way, is his name. And he is one of the founders of the Calvary Chapel. And all of a sudden, the hippies start coming in, barefoot, messing up the shag carpet. So he gets out a pot of water and starts washing their feet as they enter the church so that they won't dirty up the shag carpet. But basically, he opens the door to the, to the poor, to the needy, to the destitute, to the broken to the hurting, because that is who the gospel is for. Yeshua said, I'm a a physician, and only the sick come to the physician. The physician doesn't come to those people who believe or perceive themselves as well. It's the sick who will come to the physician. So that is who he came for. And that's coming back to this parable, all these people who had their excuses. Well, they didn't have time for the kingdom of God. They didn't have time for, you know, what God was inviting them to come to. And so he says, fine, go to the highways and the byways and fill up my house. Fill up my house. The last thing I want to touch upon is the very cost of true discipleship, to be a disciple of Yeshua, to be very serious about your walk with him. And everybody is in a different place in their journey, and we all go through stages and steps in that journey, but there will come a point in your life, if you haven't gotten there yet, where Yeshua will call you to be his true disciple, to be all in. He may give you an assignment or a task, and it may be an assignment or a task that you don't really want. I'm very comfortable, thank you very much, right here, right now, where I'm at. He may call you to something to do that you don't 
that your flesh rails against. Yet he says in verse 26 of Luke, If any man comes to me and hates not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know, we all have a cross that we bear. The cross is an instrument of death, and the Lord uses whatever cross he gives each and every one which is tailor-made. He uses it to kill our flesh, to cause our flesh to die. And you may look at somebody else, you know, and think, well, how come their life is so easy and they look to be so blessed and they don't ever have any issues or problems, they're not suffering. But, you know, you don't know what's really going on behind closed doors in that person's life. They may look like they have it all together, but they really don't. So your cross, my cross, is made tailored, made specific for you. And I have my own cross. I can really resonate with these two verses. Um, If a person is called to be a missionary, to sell everything and give up their career and lay down everything and go to a faraway land, far away from home and family, children, grandchildren, and go to a faraway land to be as a missionary, that's discipleship. That's following him if that's what he's called you to. But we are going to have a cross, whatever that cross might be. Perhaps the cross is being unequally yoked, married to a spouse who is not a believer, and you're in a tough marriage. Perhaps the cross cross that you bear is that you're single. And you've been single a long, long time. And you would desire to be married. But for whatever reason, God hasn't brought that about. And he's called you. And it's a cross that you bear. Perhaps the cross that you bear is that you're far away from family. And and you miss them. Whatever it might be, the Lord is going to use it so that you truly are a living sacrifice and you're all in, 100% sold out. And as long as we don't crawl off the altar and we allow him, his fire, to burn within us, remember, we are the sacrifice. Remember that holy fire that came down from heaven that consumed everything on the altar back in Leviticus chapter 9? That fire that came down from heaven and the people fell on their faces because of the power and the presence of God? Well, guess what? We are that sacrifice on the altar. And when we lay on that altar and we just remain, then His fire can come down from heaven and completely consume us. And then the fire of God burns within us. But many are called but few are chosen. What does that really mean? What it means is that God has high intentions and high plans and just amazing plans for each and every one of us. But 
a lot of times we get entangled in the cares and the worries of this world, in the politics at, at the office, in just running the household, keeping up with the dishes and the bills and taking the kids to soccer back and forth, and just all of the details of life. And sometimes we miss the mark. We, we don't uh, step into the fullness of the calling of God on our life because the pull of the world is so strong. How many hours do we waste on our phones, looking at texts, looking at social media, looking at the news? How much time do we spend in front of the television? And how much time do we spend in prayer with the Lord? How much time do we spend having real face time, heart-to-heart face time with other people sharing the love of God with them? So we want to let his priorities become our priorities. So may we all respond to the call of being a true disciple of Yeshua. And may we all, each one, be willing to be that living sacrifice. That we will be obedient, humble servants, bond servants to Yeshua, and be obedient to the call that he has on your life. Blessings and shalom, and we'll see you tomorrow. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>